Every facet of the fashion industry, including clothing ownership, is changing. In this series, we ask those on the front lines to speak candidly about the future of fashion. I'm Hilary Milnes, and this is The Future of Fashion by Vogue Business. The Future of Fashion by Vogue Business is brought to you in association with Klarna, the leading global payments and shopping service that lets shoppers buy now and pay later. Visit Klarna.com to find out how you can increase your average order value, drive traffic, and create a smooth checkout experience by adding a buy now, pay later option to your website. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Future of Fashion by Vogue Business. I'm your host, Hilary Milnes. The rental market has been on the rise for years in women's fashion, but companies like Rent the Runway never made the jump to menswear. Seasons launched in 2019 to fill that void and introduce the rental model to men. Amid skepticism and a pandemic that disrupted all of retail, Seasons is now expanding to new cities and increasing its membership, hoping to become the go-to site for men's rental. The founders of Seasons, Reggie Perlera and Luke Success, join me now. Welcome, you guys. Hi, Hilary. Thank you. Thanks for having having us. us. Of course. So let's dive right in. I'm interested to hear how Seasons and how both of you approach the rental market for menswear because... You would think that a site, you know, that like Rent the Runway that has the infrastructure in place would have made that jump earlier. How did you come to the conclusion that that men would rent clothing? Yeah, so I think, I mean, obviously it's been a very interesting year, to say the least, <laughs> 2020. Uh, but when we launched the company in 2019, roughly about 12 months ago now, you know, the world looked much differently than it does today. And I think it, looking back at to when Rent the Runway actually launched, which has been more than a decade now, I think, again, both the menswear and, and womenswear markets were in very different places. So I think it was a lot to do with the timing of kind of the, the market, the community, and, and the consumer ultimately. And so kind of going into this, you know, in the summer of 2019, a lot of the faith was really riding on this, this idea that it was a generational shift more than are men going to want to rent that type of question, which is something we've gotten quite a bit. And, and the other question being, you know, why wouldn't Rent the Runway come along and do this? And looking at it from the inside out, it, it becomes much more clear as to, as to why it might be difficult for them. It's not that they can't do it, but it ultimately comes down to the brand itself, the community, the assortment, and honestly, some infrastructural changes as well. You have to kind of take into account a lot of different processes when it comes to dealing with, with menswear and womenswear across sizing. And so there's definitely some challenges, but ultimately, to answer your, your original question, I think it comes down to the community and the brand. I think you can't really repackage Rent the Runway, introduce it to you know, a group of 24 to 35-year-olds and say, here it is, you know, will you use this, that type of question. So yeah, we, I think we approached it much more kind of on the ground level from a community standpoint to start. Yeah, so basically, Rent the Runway is, is very well associated with being a women's company, a women's fashion company, essentially, and, and that might make men think, oh, this isn't for me, but building an entirely new site, interface, brand, um, community, that could resonate. Mm-hmm. Tell us a bit about how you went about fielding interest from men, the types of um, surveys and questions that you asked and things that you looked for to find out, okay, if this were to work, what would it look like? You know, what is the best way into this market? Yeah, that is actually what led me to this, right? I think back in in 2019, early 2019, I was still full-time at Nike working on sneakers as as the platform sneakers. And what I was doing on a day-to-day basis was really user research, 
And what quickly stood out to me and ultimately convinced me to quit my job and, and, and do this was that as, as much as people care about footwear, as much as men and, and this demographic kind of care about footwear, they also care about kind of how it all fits together, right? And they're interested in designers. They're interested in brands. They follow uh, these, these stories just as closely as anyone else, right? And so it was also getting to the point where I also realized that we probably own enough products in, <laughs> in our closets, in our life. We were, get, we're getting to a point as a generation where we own a lot of things and it's telling because of these marketplaces that have kind of emerged, Depop, you know, the real, real secondhand consignment marketplaces. People want to want to, you know, exchange and, and move the things that they own. Right. They want to make space. They want to make a little bit of money and, and they want to kind of go about, um, you know, th- their business. But I think all of those things were really telling. And I think ultimately convinced me to say, hey, I think there, there could be a new marketplace designed around access and not so much ownership for you know my demographic me personally i ultimately i really wanted this um and i think you know luke wanted this as well just kind of knowing kind of where we come from so so luke do you want to talk a bit about your your perspective and uh the opportunity that you saw here as well there's this misconception sometimes that men don't necessarily uh shop or a lot or i guess you know really care about you know or look into different brands but there's definitely a new jobs happening around us all the time. And we see this like basically a series of men that do shop on the regular and are interested in following the brands that, you know, they, they usually, you know, kind of are interested in. So that can add up quite quickly. And even for myself, I was like, that's definitely, you know, you're always chasing the next drop and kind of figuring out what, you know, products you should buy next or whatnot. So I think there's definitely a lot of exploration that men are kind of going through as far as honing their own style and figuring out what they want to wear. And that is something that can be really like financially intensive. So the idea of being able to try a product and kind of getting a sense of whether it fits within your own personal style or not, I think is something that resonated with me. And I think, you know, we were on the point that a lot of other people like kind of think that way as well. Yeah, I think there there definitely is that that conception or misconception that men just dress and look for fashion and wear clothes a bit differently than women do. Um, And you mentioned, especially in New York, and that I know um, Seasons is expanding to new cities. So as you are looking back at the year's worth of data that you have on the initial launch, how did you decide where to go next? And, you know, what did you learn about the customer? Because I think, you know, there is still the question of, you know, is this for everyone? And how do you reach still as many people as possible? 2020 has probably been one of the most interesting years to build a company in retail and e-commerce, to say the I'm least, sure. right? I, I think, but I think it's also been to our advantage in the sense that like our, our size, right? We're a pretty small company. We're roughly about 10 people and, you know, we were just getting out the gate. And so what that allowed us to do is to kind of roll with with some of these punches and, and honestly kind of rethink our strategy along the way because, Three months in, we launched November 14th of 2019. Three months in, all of a sudden, you know, our New York-based members were, were going home to places like Boston, to places like Atlanta, to Chicago. And so we had to quickly, you know, regroup and say, hey, maybe actually this, this New York City kind of exclusivity concept, maybe we can adapt with, with what's happening around the world. And maybe we can actually ship. Actually, we have the infrastructure. We have the operations to kind of, you know, adjust accordingly. And so let's go where our members go and let's have conversations with them. I think that's been one of the the most valuable things that we've had to work with is that we get to know everybody on the platform 
and we have real relationships. We were able to get feedback. We're able to talk within a, a Slack group. We actually have a community Slack group where you know members can come to us with ideas. We share kind of up, upcoming projects, things like that. And so it was very personal. And I think at the size that we were at, you know, we were able to quickly say, look, you know, we've learned a lot, <laughs> even in, in the amount of time that we've been around. And I think that there's an opportunity to kind of adjust the model a little bit to what, where we think the industry is headed in the next five years. So that has been really interesting to see that from the ground floor and say, uh, here's where we think it's going. And, you know, we've built a pretty good foundation. Let's adapt. Yeah. And in, and in terms of that adapting and, and changing in line with what the first batch of customers have said and, and have wanted, is there anything that stood out um, as particularly surprising or have just been really telling about, okay, here's what this generation of men um, want from a retail company and a, and a community like this? Yeah. So great question. I think that one of the most important things we've seen is that within our demo, within menswear, ultimately we still want to own things. Trying is great. I think the, the, the concept of rental, if you unpack the word rent, really what it means at the root is getting to try something and not committing, right? Not having to, to deal with the, the transaction, not having to deal with, you know, the typical return process. But really what it is, it's, it's trying before you buy, right? And so we've had a lot of people experience seasons and come back to us, members who without any kind of, you know, encouragement, they've come back to us and said, hey, we want to buy this. We want to keep this. Can we do that? And because they love it so much. And so I think our particular, our, our customer, our member is, is getting to the point where they are seeing brands for the first time. They're seeing styles for the first time that they may have otherwise not have tried or experienced. And they're falling in love with it so much to the point where they want to keep it. They want to purchase it. And so over the past six to eight months, we've, we've really you know, keyed in on that. And, and we're now thinking about how do you, how do you bridge that? that concept of having a product that someone has in the comfort of their own home, trying it for 30 days and letting them hold on to it. How do we make that as seamless as possible? And so that's probably the biggest takeaway that we've had. Yeah, I think also because of, I guess, you know, kind of the situation we're in and people don't necessarily have the opportunity to go into shops and, you know, interacting with or trying clothes on, you know, in the store. I think the idea of being able to not only experiment with different styles that they wouldn't necessarily try on, you know, in a, in a shop and like in the comfort of their home, but also, you know, basically learning not only about the brands, but yeah, like Reggie said, like, this is something, a style that I'm really interested in now. I, I want to keep this. So I think definitely the, the shift in behavior from, you know, have go, like shopping mainly from going in, within a shop and not having the, not being able to try something on before purchasing it, the, the fact that they're able to try it on for a longer yeah. period of time before committing. Another thing that it comes down to as well is that concept of discovery is something that you know everyone in the industry has kind of been working towards and working on, right? How do you improve discovery and personalization? I think one of the most fascinating things about rental as a platform is that in itself, right? It's one of the few platforms that uh, has a closed loop communication system, right? Someone gets a product from us, tries it on, they send it back, we have a, a native kind of chat-based experience in the app where we ask them questions about that product, how it fit, how many times they wore it, their, how they felt about the price. And so that, that to me is probably the most powerful part about all this. And I think it's, it's what got us excited about the concept, right? Most traditional e-commerce and retail experiences, 
they're all one directional. You sell a product, the you know the customer keeps it, and you never really hear back from them. You never really get that feedback, other than maybe a survey every now and then in an email. And so, to us, uh, you know, designing a membership experience around that, I think, could really change the way we have people discover brands, styles, and ultimately personalize uh, a digital retail experience. Yeah, I think that feedback loop is a really interesting um, value proposition for brands that otherwise you, know, you you sell it to someone and you just hope that they don't return it uh, pretty much. Right. But the the point you raised earlier about basically try on, try before you buy, and then this being a, a vehicle to purchasing clothing from you know new newly discovered brands, it, that's an interesting silver lining during the pandemic particularly. Do you think that that would have been the case if this would have been a normal year for retail, um, especially because, you know, we look at what's happened to to rental, that has not, I wouldn't venture to mm. say, have been a good year overall, especially yeah. when you look at the, the women's side, it's, you know, this was a model that really catered to events and being seen in, in public outside of our home. So it mm-hmm. wasn't a great year for rental overall, but, you know, how did you kind of make, make it through this year? Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about what happened, really, it was it was probably the most significant lifestyle change that we've had in decades, right? I think the last thing I could probably think of was the 08 financial crisis, right? People were kind of uh, much more conscious about budgets and, and and spending, but our lives have literally changed from, from going to work Monday through Friday to being at home and uh, taking video conferences, right? The original version of Seasons looked much different than it does today, right? We designed it for a commuter lifestyle. We were mobile first. We went out of the gate, you know, with an app in the app store. And, you know, fast forward six months later, our traffic has shifted to, to web and we've adjusted to that to take that into account, right? People are at their, their desktops, their laptops and browsing websites. You know, they're still shopping, they're still browsing, they're discovering. But the other thing that's interesting too is just how retail has been impacted because when you go through, you know, Soho, for example, if you walk around Soho in New York City, there are lines to get into stores and fitting rooms are limited, if not at capacity, they're just not available at all. So how do you try on product? How do you, what does window shopping look like in 2021? You know, and so I think for us, the opportunity to put product into people's homes in a comfortable way for them to try it on without kind of the uh, intimidation, honestly, that comes with walking into some of these, these designer stores and, and retail experiences, I think is, is honestly pretty comforting for some people. But we've also just kind of seen from an assortment perspective how to balance that, right? How to think about products that may have been overlooked. So for example, Earlier this year in April and May, when we were really thinking about our buying and trying to be conservative from like from a budgetary standpoint, and all these things, we we came across something pretty exciting. And it's honestly one of my favorite parts of the platform today, which is secondhand, right? And vintage goods, right? We basically got to a point where we realized, hey, you know, there is an opportunity to say that you can introduce a, you know, a, a, a t-shirt from 1998 and have it feel nostalgic to someone and then still want to experience it and rent it. Right. And so I think kind of just being really conscious about the moment that we're in right now, you know, people are, are thinking more about the environment than ever. And we were thinking about how to truly maximize the question we were ask, asking ourselves early on is how do we maximize the lifetime of products? Right. 
vintage and secondhand products are perfect for that, right? You're, you're giving it a, another life. And so we started putting on, we, we started listing vintage products onto the platform back in May and, you know, fast forward throughout the summer, they accounted for almost 40% of our rent through rate. And it was something that was honestly very scary for us. We didn't know how it was going to go, but we were able to kind of just take that, you know, make that bet, take the experiment. And, uh, what we learned very quickly was that, you know, this platform has a really interesting opportunity to let someone just experience something for a little bit of, of, of time without financially committing to it, right? Especially when, you know, people have unfortunately lost jobs, you know, they, they might be in between jobs and they still want, you know, something uh, normal at the end of the day and they want to look forward to something new, right? So it's it's been a very pivotal moment i think within our industry and i think we've just honestly been uh lucky enough to to fight through a lot of the change that's happened but also learn a few things and come out of it with some ideas absolutely yeah from a technology standpoint um we put a lot of thought into what we make for the best experience for our customers specifically you know the first um time you kind of land on the the platform and not necessarily i mean there can definitely be kind of paralysis from a choice perspective, not knowing what to go for. So we really try to design the experience. So we not only combine human curation, but also use the data that we collect from what members say they want. And usually it's through proxy. So it's, what that means is essentially if, I, if you like this piece, you, you may be interested in this as well. So it's kind of trying to figure out what kind of styles they're into by asking them questions about you know their lifestyle and so on. And that allows us to really recommend some some interesting pieces for for them and like kind of keep iterating on that. But also it, the technology aspect helped us as far as operation is concerned and being able to get you know basically the the items to them in the most efficient way as well. Yeah, I think one thing that's become clear about the rental model um, over the past what is it ten years now is that it is very you know infrastructurally operationally intensive business to be in. You have to have everything, you know, down um, and working exactly right for it to, for it to work. Um, and so when building it, focusing on, you know, the technology side, the operation side, you know, how did you go about deciding, you know, what to invest in? And I know, and you guys have raised a bit of money. Um, basically, what has that looked like from, you know, we need to build this operationally, we need to get this right and working with the, and then bringing the brands as well to work with. From the beginning, we always talked about the three pillars that kind of hold the company up, right? Uh, operations, merchandise, and technology. And so if we can get those three right, we should be in a good place. Operations being something that honestly is taken for granted a lot of the time. It's, it's behind the scenes. And if it works, uh, it's, it's amazing. People are happy. When it doesn't work, they, they are very quick to, to point it out and, and recognize it, right? And so what a lot of people don't see is the you know, in inventory management service that we've built from scratch. Uh, to manage all of this, right? Uh, the, the dry cleaning integration, all of the, the product updates, the statuses, you can't go into this using Shopify to build a rental service if you really want to scale it, right? Because that, that back and forth, that reverse logistics part of it is missing right now. And so we had to build from scratch. The other thing that we have to keep a close eye on as well is, is the, the condition of the inventory itself, right? How do we make sure that everything we send out is, you know, up to, up to up to people's standards, right, and up to our own standards? And so, we can keep track of that data uh, as it comes in, and see kind of the condition value that that product is at. 
And when it comes time to kind of, you know, you know, fix a button, sew something back on, we know when that when that's going to need to happen. And so there's a lot of magic that happens behind the scenes. And so our operations team has, has honestly carried the weight of that and um, really made it feel seamless for all of our members. I think that's honestly one of our, our biggest strengths. Yeah. And it's such a, a, an important part of it because you look at brands that have that launch, I, I think today especially, you really need a reason for existing. You need to be bringing something new and unique to the table. It needs to be done in a sustainable way. I think like the sustainability um, side of, of rental is very interesting. And like you said, it's not a Shopify store. It's not, you know, a dime a dozen DTC brand that's selling something, you know, at a, with a different margin. So all that to say, as you're talking to brands, um, particularly menswear brands that hadn't been, you know, included in the in the shift to rental what were those conversations like how did you really sell it and say listen you know yeah. despite <laughs> despite the hesitance you might have we we think that this will really work yeah I, I'm gonna be very honest with you I 12 months ago when we were coming out of the you know out of the gate and we were launching the first versions of this brands were basically telling us like look this is interesting but you know you catch up with us in a year or two mm-hmm. and so it this was this was the biggest question. Uh, one of the biggest questions that we were getting when we were fundraising early on, which was, how are you going to get brands to buy into this? At the time, you know, we were very bullish on, you know, we'll figure it out. After talking to third parties and people who had been in the industry forever, it was basically like, good luck. This is going to take years before you kind of build more official relationships. And so it was honestly, it was a, it was a big, a big goal for us to kind of to navigate. Somehow throughout this year, though something really interesting happened, which is there was an entire reset, basically, of, of the wholesale landscape, right? And so what I mean by that is, I mean, you had you had businesses like opening ceremony get acquired and, and shut down. You had Toto Kylo kind of be phased out, Barney's, uh, you name it. I mean, the, the amount of businesses that we lost this year, uh, honestly, to, to this day, it still kind of surprised me. But it created an opportunity for us to have a conversation as to what we can do differently as a as a buyer as a wholesale account but also just as a brand partner and so fast forward to you know april and may when we revisited some of these conversations with brands that had turned us away at the start they were excited to see what, how we were thinking about this from a distribution standpoint from a from a merchandising standpoint how we were going to design a new platform in the middle of covid to look forward for the next 5 years so we came out of this with 18 wholesale accounts uh, to date. We're working and, and talking to a few other brands that we're excited about. And honestly, I think that we probably wouldn't have had this opportunity had uh, some of these things not happened. I think the timing just kind of made sense uh, for a lot of brands, especially as, as they were you know, rethinking that side of their business. So are you getting the impression that brands um, are open to experimenting with new with new models and uh, platforms almost, I don't want to say out of desperation, but almost like at following this kind of eye-opening, jolting experience that retail has been through this year. Yeah. I mean, so if you think about it, everyone in the industry for the most part has done the exact same thing for the past 10 years. <laughs> it's very It's very rare that someone comes along and says like, hey, you should probably do things differently. And they hop on right away and it kind of just happens, right? It took something of a push uh, within the industry to say, "Hey, maybe we should we should be thinking about alternative alternative ways to put our products in front of customers and get in front of maybe a younger demo and saying maybe that uh, we can diversify. It's just the way overall way that people experience our brand." 
I think with what happened this year, it was that kind of reality check. And it was this, maybe, honestly, it was inspirational. Maybe they thought that they could learn along alongside us as we kind of navigated this this uh, this platform and building this this community. And so, yeah, it's interesting. Honestly, I'm I'm incredibly excited to see um, just the the willingness to to be involved and, and participate. And so, it's gonna be um, it's gonna be great. Yeah. And uh, Luke, anything you wanted to add there? I know your your background is not in fashion. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I- yeah, I, I primarily worked in like music and art, but um, there are some synergies there. Definitely approaching brands and artists, if you will. But yeah, it's been it's been a learning experience for me, definitely. Right, and I think to that point, the the um, a new perspective that's that that can be brought to fashion in these models, where you're less um, okay. Here's how things have always been done. How do we very slowly make this make changes and and shift our behavior, which I think a lot of fashion is about moving very slowly when it comes to changing uh, the way that it works. Oh, yeah. So yeah, having that, that perspective from a Spotify, I'm sure is really helpful when it, when it comes to, okay, how can we use data? How can we introduce a new model and, and sell people on this? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think Spotify kind of introduced that new streaming model when the music industry was definitely you know, old school, like CD and digital sales through iTunes and so on. So I think there's a lot of learn like lessons that you can take from that and apply to the fashion industry specifically as people's behavior will is evolving right now and people are getting more accustomed to rental and like what kind of data we can use essentially to make it as not only easy but like helping them kind of get accustomed and learn through this and so yeah a lot of things that you know i've learned at spotify and artsy as well actually are, are very similar in terms of how to organizing the data and and applying it to to what we're doing with fashion, yeah, and I'm I'm sure that is not only a big um, asset for for you, but also the brands as well. Like we were saying, they they didn't have access to this type of information before, and so I guess you know, bottom line is we're as we're wrapping up here, what would you both say are the trends that you think will come to define? menswear, men's fashion, and, and how men shop, you know, even keeping in mind as we're, you know, looking at industry that is starting to think less about fashion by gender. Um, you know, how are you, how do you see the next five years playing out and where do you see seasons playing a role there? Yeah. So, I, I mean, you know, even taking a, a cue from 2020, I think that this lifestyle shift that we're kind of seeing is going to really have a, a pretty lasting effect, right? This isn't, once COVID, you know, once we have a vaccine and once COVID kind of gets uh, in a more, um, you know, stable situation, I think, you know, we're still going to be looking at people working from home. We're still going to be looking at uh, those those problems that retail uh, stores and locations have. And so really this shift to online discovery and personalization and contextualization, that's what we're focused on. I think that we're using rental as a lever to really have relationships and, and uh, conversations with people who come to Seasons and are interested in, in, in that discovery, right? And learning about these brands and trying new things. And so if we can play a role in that, in bridging the gap between consumers and brands, I think that can be really powerful, uh, especially over the next five years. Because my biggest takeaway, I mean, coming into all of this, even prior to Seasons was there isn't enough of that. There is not, there's not enough conversation happening between a customer and brands that they're really passionate about. And so I think that's exciting to really design experiences around and design technology around. And so for the next few years, as we start kind of developing relationships with our with our brand partners, 
um, and we start growing our community, expanding to new cities, I think that is going to play a huge role in, in honestly, the transition from shopping in a store, window shopping, feeling a jacket in store to feeling and, and trying something in the comfort of their own home. So yeah, I think we can play a pretty meaningful role. Yeah, great. Luke, did you want to add anything? Yeah, I think for me, it's also the the concept of making, giving access to brands that people ne- didn't necessarily have access to as well, like not only geographically, but like there's definitely, for, for me, like just having the ability to, you know, get to things that usually I have very limited, limited quantities and, and trying it, I think it's something that we want to open up to people and like experimenting with that. So I think it's something seasons can really tap into and make possible in the next couple of years. That's a great point. Yeah, the financial aspect of all this, I think, is um, probably overlooked as well. Talk about going into one of the one of the toughest economies that we've had from a consumer standpoint, and trying to sell someone on a on a six hundred or seven hundred dollar jacket is probably you're going to have a challenge, right? You're going to have uh, your work cut out for you. What can seasons do for those brands who are at that price point? and have never really experimented with this try-before-you-buy model to help them navigate that, right? Putting a jack into someone's hands and helping them kind of fall in love with it before making that financial commitment, right? That decision to to spend a pretty significant amount of money on something. And so I think that's that's probably going to be amplified as well over the next several years. And then, yeah, you kind of having that, just being very real and authentic about that conversation, I think is going to be important. Yeah, and one actual final thought: um, just the the idea of ownership that we that we talked about before. Do you see this being a permanent shift away from you know the desire to to own things? I think people are much more used to the idea that you can, you know, rent something and you're paying for the use of it, but it's a different form of investment. You're not, you know, you're kind of just lending it out for a little bit of time. Um, do you think that customer behavior is here to stay or it's a bit more situational than that? Because it's it's been interesting to watch that that mindset shift. I, I think uh, we've seen, you know, millennials have been pretty open to renting. Gen Z is a bit a newer to it overall. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think that rental has been around for a long time and the concept of it hasn't really changed. And Obviously, there's a lot of sustainability aspects to it, right? The the concept of of not uh, having to, you know, end up going to H and M or Zara and and contributing to fast fashion, that kind of thing. But there's ultimately still, I think, our demographic, our our member, is still interested in owning things that they're really passionate about and that they love. And so I think for us, it's our goal is to help people own less and have them really care about the things that they do they choose to own. Right. And so, I mean, that that generational shift that's happening, I think that everyone, everyone wants to help in some way or another. Right. Cut back on on the massive waste that comes from from fashion and the fashion industry. But ultimately, we still want to keep, you know, memorable things. We still want to have hand me downs. You know, I think we all kind of uh, at some point experience that. And so I think there's a balance to it. Right. There's a there's a balance of kind of having something when you need it. And then if you fall in love with it, you know, having the opportunity to, to hold on to it and take care of it. Right. So, yeah. yeah, I think it'll be interesting to watch it evolve. Um, well, this was very interesting. Thank you both for the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having Thanks me. Thanks for having us. We'll be back next week with leaders from fashion reflecting on an industry in flux. You can subscribe to the series on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Vogue Business website. For more coverage on the future of fashion, subscribe to the Vogue Business newsletter at voguebusiness.com. Our executive producer was Alan John. 
My name is Hilary Milnes. That was the future of fashion. Thank you for listening.